Hello, managers. It is my delight to have as a guest this week my brother-in-law, the manager of Illegal Motion to Dismiss. I'm pleased to report that our conversation was much better than the one I had with last week's guest. Please fix thanks. Uh, Additionally, and an exciting change, our discussion is almost entirely about football and largely about fantasy football for the first time ever on this podcast. Come along. All right. Well, manager of a legal motion to dismiss, Cameron Ring, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. It is good to be here. It's great to finally get you on the show, and it couldn't be happening at a better time as here you sit in the process of locking down the sixth of six playoff spots. Um, You uh, threaded the needle this past week by keeping Please Fix Thanks playoff hopes alive without sacrificing your own uh this is the this upcoming week is the final week before playoffs and you're up against what some have called the second best team in the league uh magic grits um if either the fertile oxygenarians or please fix thanks win their games and you lose yours then you will have a tied record with either of those teams making it a points tiebreaker to see who gets that sixth spot. At the moment, you're sitting pretty on the points front. You're basically 100 points ahead of uh, the Fertile Oxygenarians and more than 100 points ahead of Please Fix Thanks. So it seems like you're pretty much a shoe-in for the playoffs, fingers crossed. You know, I uh, never got to... What's the word? I was never feeling like I was a shoe-in, so I didn't get my hopes up. I was never getting too confident, and I found that when you lower your expectations drastically, <laughs> uh, it, it feels way better when you make the playoffs, as opposed in another league that I'm in, I went 2-0 and first two weeks of the season, was dominating, felt great, started getting cocky, started talking that smack, and <laughs> lost six straight. And fantasy's fickle that way, and so I, in this league... You know, I found that I uh, would rather lower myself and then be happily surprised, you know? I see. I see. So you, you're, you're speculating that there's some sort of connection between personal outlook and the ultimate outcome. Exactly. I see. Well, uh, you've certainly had an interesting season, and I'm excited to get into that. But before I do, just so that the uh, other managers know who exactly you are, am I correct in stating that you are the son of one of the past pod guests, uh, Well Hung Jury, and the brother of another past guest, Pigskin Skull Plaintiffs? Yes, that's right. I am the third uh, ring, or at least uh, Kai is now a Cody, but I am the third of that uh, lineage to come on the pod. I have listened to both of Larry's and Callie's podcasts, and I'm glad to, uh, to finally, uh, you know, be the end of that triangle. And uh, you were the sound guy as well as the video guy between the launch podcast, uh, the only podcast that has a video counterpart to the audio. Yeah, I got to be here at the beginning when this was just a skin, uh, you know, a... Uh, nothing operation with uh, right. you know, nothing crew and I've got to watch it grow 
you know, organically and be in the same household uh, to the production that it is now uh, <laughs> with all the proper equipment and production value and the producers in the background, you know, right. now. And I just so happy to see uh, what it's become, you know? Shout out to executive producer Callie uh, for funding what the, the operation as it now exists. Um, wonderful. Now, uh, it's from what I understand, thanks to Well Hung Jury, you've basically been playing fantasy since birth. <laughs> I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the first year we ever did any sort of fantasy, I was in, I want to say like sixth grade, because it was me, uh, a bunch of dads, and a bunch of kids, and so my buddies and I uh, were on the first, you know, the early CBS, and we got to see, you know, back when CBS was way more fun and actually for the the people you could uh -huh. post fake news stories you could post like polls um just a lot more interactive and you'd think that would make me obsessed with fantasy but in reality it's made me jaded because i've watched my great teams fail i've watched my terrible teams make the playoffs i've won a championship uh the first year of ring of fire which is our family league and uh through it all i've emerged you know, someone who uh, is always, like, middle of the pack, which I don't, uh, I wish, I, you know, I want to do better. And so I'm going to fight to do better because uh, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. All right. Well, that's going to segue nicely into a question that will come up at the very end of the podcast. Love so just bookmark that note. Um, so now to just get into your season this year specifically and... Uh, Jaded is certainly how I would be feeling at the end of the se season. In addition to uh, some pretty substantial injuries, your season has been challenged by having the second most points scored against you. Only Washington fantasy football team has had it harder. So what, how do you feel about your team? How much of, I mean, you're, you, you look like you're about to cruise into the playoffs. So there's not too much to lament as opposed to a Washington foot fantasy football team, for instance, who will have to sit on the sidelines and look on as he outscored virtually the whole league only to miss the playoffs. That's fantasy. That's fantasy. So uh, what is your feeling about, as someone who's played a lot of fantasy, what do you think of the team you have in this league this year? You know, it's an interesting question because I have scored a decent amount of points. As I look at the current standings, I'm currently six and seven. This is as of uh, today, the the eighth. Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking at my points for. I'm looking at my points against. Um, and I'm not someone who thinks it would be better if there were no divisions. And I know currently in this season there are no divisions, but I we know we're a ten person league and it's the first year. I understand that. Um, but I think points against is important. Points against makes it real. Because otherwise, what? We'd all just be sitting here as 10 individual teams and hoping our teams score the most collective points. That's not as exciting to me. And so I look at my team that, you know, maybe six and seven isn't in a perfect world, the record we would have wanted, but I like my team. You know, I waited for Russell Wilson. I kept him on the bench when he got injured for the first time in his career practically. Right. Um, I've been racked with injury 
you know, I have uh, Dalvin Cook who went down. Now Swift is down. I'm looking at my roster and I'm seeing like seven, uh, <laughs> you know, first aid signs. But I like my team. I like uh, the season we've had. I like PPR. This is my first ever full PPR league. Um, I've done half PPR. I've done standard. And I like my team. I like our odds. Um, you know, it's it, you can't get too obsessed with a team because injuries are going to happen. You're going to have to drop great players. Um, there are fools out there who drafted McCaffrey and had to say goodbye, as they did every season. <laughs> And, you know, uh, you got to take the punches as they come, and you got to understand that this is fantasy. It resembles a real team. And I would rather have matchups than it be just purely computer-based, you know? Right. No, I mean, I fervently agree with that. And I'm glad to hear that uh, some of the unfortunate uh, setbacks you've suffered this season have not uh, made you go insane about the way fantasy ought to be run. Uh, well, I, you know, I have my qualms, but we'll get to those <laughs> later. I hope we do. That's half of what the show thrives on. Uh, so you've had a series of interesting events in your running back room. First of all, you take Dalvin Cook with the second overall pick. Yeah. And he wildly underperforms. Meanwhile, in the second round, you get DeAndre Swift and he overperforms. And now they both are injured and useless to you. <laughs> That's correct. That's I, uh, it's just funny because uh, Cook especially has hurt me because, you know, he got injured and I'm sitting there thinking, should have taken King Henry. Uh, and then Henry goes down and Dalvin Cook comes back. And I go, thank God I didn't get Henry. <laughs> and then Cook goes down again. Right. So it's a question that I don't know what the answer is. Uh, but I've been I've been hurt. Big in the running back world, big in the quarterback world, because when Wilson was down, I put in Tannehill, who averaged like 11 a game. Right. And there was a brief, I think there was a brief period where I ran with Bridgewater, who got like six a game. So, you know, I've had a lot of injury screw me over, but, you know, I, I'm not going to let it get me down. I love that attitude. I love to hear that. Uh, and hey, outlook causes outcome, as we've learned today. <laughs> Bars. So important <laughs> all right great well uh related to something that you were kind of saying earlier about you know what you the ways you don't want fantasy to work i have a question um and it's particularly relevant to you as you're sitting on the cusp of the playoffs do you have any strong opinions about uh the idea of using total points scored rather than record to determine the wild card spot in a league with divisions or are you a strictly record should determine things guy i think when you have divisions when you have divisions you're letting the league know right off the bat it's not just going to be about how much you throw up on the board it's going to be about weekly mm -hmm. matchups you want to be consistent just because in one week one week you score 200 you know, if one, if your opponent scored 205, that's that. However, the wild card is a great question. And I do think when you're now looking at the second best or maybe even the third quote-unquote best in a division, yes, I do think point score should come into play because the record is for the best person in the in the division, right? 
Right. But now it's what? The next best record between all three divisions? Right. You know, it's obviously a difficult question, and I don't think there's an objective, like, this is obviously the correct answer. But me personally, I think the person scoring a lot of points deserves something. And where else can you reward them other than the wild card spot? Let's say it's a 12-person league. You've got three divisions. You've got the top three, in e- or excuse me, the top one in each division. So that's your three people, right? Now, right. if it's a four-person division, who goes in next? Is it the next best record? I think it's the next, it's the person not including those top three in the top in the divisions person who put up a ton of points after that that's your wild card now if you got a six person playoff Mm -hmm. do you do the top two divisions in all three leagues do you do four divisions it's a tough question and i think points simplifies things i think you get a lot more arguments if it's you know well hold on you did three divisions why don't we do four divisions i think a lot of arguments might break out and i think just saying hey best in the division and then next next best points scored for how many remaining spots. I love that. Yeah. I kind of got lost there. No, no, the no. I, is, I, know, I, I like that answer, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that because it is something that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, and I've been trying to talk to people off air about it to try to get people's feelings on it. But uh, what's interesting about fantasy is, like, a lot of people make their arguments based on like, you know, what aligns most closely with like the role playing aspect of like being a general manager of a football team, like what's going on with actual, uh, you know, football, like how do we make it most like the NFL, blah, blah, blah. And while I agree that like in spirit, that's also what I want. And, you know, that's why I like the idea of dynasty. That's why I like the idea of doing all these things, because to me, it makes you you are making some more management decisions and stuff like that. Um, but I find that with so many arguments about the structure of a league, the like, well, the NFL does blank tends to be on both sides of everything, because like. Obviously, uh, there's this major dominating thing that makes fantasy unrealistic, which is in a redraft league, basically, you get to draft your team, you get to hit waivers every week, and you get to set your lineup. But that's the extent of your control. Unlike the real NFL, there's no way to affect, like, game plans or anything like that. Like, you're just, that's it. You're, You're drafting a team, setting a lineup. And that's the extent of your control. So then people think of all these ideas of like how to reduce variance or luck, how you like minimize the luck factor. Like, for example, in our league, I think uh, Scott, Washington fantasy football team, is obviously the poster child for someone who everything he had control over, he did well. He drafted a great team. He set good lineups. He stayed on top of the waiver wires. And all of that is proven by the fact that uh, at the end of the day, he scored a whole lot of points. Mm-hmm. He scored more points than all but two teams. So, like, what he had control over, he excelled in. Um, but unlike the real NFL, doing your job terrifically well in fantasy doesn't necessarily translate into victory because there's all these other factors. Right. Uh, there's all this luck or variance. So... The question is, does 
And obviously it depends on how you do it. But in certain ways, I think you can take moves that reduce variance and by doing so make fantasy a little more lifelike in Mm -hmm. that you can make your decisions a little more impactful. Now, I'm not saying obviously luck's always going to be part of it. Luck's part of the real NFL. So it's not about trying to eliminate variance entirely, but you can make a really minor adjustment like giving a wild card spot to the team that scored the most points not already in the playoffs. Uh, And I think that's a really alluring idea. But we'll put it on the ballot and we'll see what the league thinks. Sounds good. So anyway, now that I've gotten off my soapbox, uh, look, talking about the league's future, um, and this is where I'll get back to what you were saying at the very top of the podcast that I wanted to uh, circle around to, and I instructed our audience to bookmark uh, about all the leagues you've been in since sixth grade. As someone who has been co-opted into redraft fantasy leagues your whole life, does the idea of this league converting to a dynasty league excite you or make you sigh as it just makes the league even more work? The level of work is, I think, relative because, you know, currently in our world, like I'm working from home. That allows me more time to look over at, you know, a different screen and look uh-huh. at my fantasy scores. And, you know, I'm watching football with a group instead of watching it with no one. And so it's a tough question, but I think for me, I'm excited. I like the idea of a dynasty. I'll admit years ago when someone brought up in another league the idea of a dynasty Mm -hmm. it was not something i was fond of because of course at the time of being told (laughs) at the time of this guy suggesting hey gang how's about we turn our league into a dynasty he had a stacked team back in like 20 what 15 he had like aaron Rodgers. yeah (laughs) he had like adrian peterson he had a fucking ton of people who were great and him going hey how about we turn this into a dynasty was something that angered me but you suggested dynasty before we drafted you suggested it before the league even had our 12 now 10 and it's now something i've been mulling over and thinking about and the simple fact is i personally am in multiple leagues why not make one of them a dynasty and i i think a lot of people are shutting the idea down before even experience it i've never been in a dynasty league i don't know what that's like what if it sucks well i gotta find out somehow i'm not just gonna say oh it might suck and that's that i would like to at least try it out now it being my first uh dynasty aside i think the concept is really cool because it's way more in tune with what being a manager is look you're you drafted Mahomes two years ago you'd be feeling really great up until this season this Mm -hmm. season you'd be like Jesus Chiefs get it together that's that you're a dynasty that's your quarterback you can still go on the waivers you can still I assume right you can still pick up whoever's a free agent and you can try to make trades exactly exactly you're still you're still a, a fantasy team you can still do the fantasy things It's simply that at the beginning of the season, X amount of talent will be available to you. Every year, there are new dynamite rookies. Every year, players retire. It's not like you're going to be out of talent options. There are going to be people you can pick up that will send your team, you know, either to the trenches or to the championship. 
And so I love the, the idea. I'm super on board. Um, obviously, there are minute, there's minutia that we need to discuss, but in, in, on a, from an umbrella sense, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Well, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, we would definitely, were we to uh, convert to a fantasy, we would absolutely be, you know, drafting from scratch at the beginning of next year right? Uh, with the knowledge that we're, you know, drafting a dynasty team. It wouldn't be, you know, your this year's team wouldn't just become your dynasty team next year. Good it'd to be know. A, Good to know. Yeah, it'd be a whole new draft. Um, and that draft, as I, I, God, I, I my think team sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? You know, Russell yeah. might head to a new team next year mm-hmm. and uh, become – you know, the league's most dynamite quarterback, uh, as you know, the Mahomes story proves and similar with Lamar quarterback performance is, uh, not necessarily for fantasy purposes is not something that is necessarily guaranteed year to year outside of basically Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. <laughs> um, what, you know, there is this funny scene that I happened to catch in like a really, really early episode of Modern Family. So like 2008 or something. <laughs> right, right. And uh, there's a scene where like the dad is saying that like the whole family is like trying to like not get on the internet for a while. And he finds out that like Tom Brady's been injured and he makes some comment about like, Oh, he's got to get on the internet and stuff because Tom Brady's the heart of his whole fantasy team. And it's just so wild to hear that and know that now Tom Brady is the heart. Now in 2021, Tom Brady is still the heart of several of my fantasy teams. The amount of players who will play the Buccaneers and then be in a post-game interview and will be like, you know, I was <laughs> like, I was 12. I was watching T Brady on the Patriots. I was like, wow, what a, you know, what a hero. And here I am, you know, sacking him. And it's like, yeah, t- t- you know, you're, you're a 12 year old kid. Right. 10 years later, you're prime NFL age. Tom Brady's still kicking. He said, he said he'll retire when he sucks. And I don't see that happening for the next few years. So what yeah, a, but at, yeah, but at but what cost? The man doesn't eat meat. Have <laughs> you had bread. a steak? It's <laughs> freaking bread. delicious. Oh yeah, bread. Yeah, he's in a he's in a subway commercial, and they go in the commercial. Right, they go, right. but you don't eat bread, which is I appreciate them admitting that. <laughs> right. Also, he said he might retire just to spend more time with his kids, which what <laughs> to be that baller? Oh yeah, I could play for like seven more years, but you know. Jimmy's turning nine, so right. got to be there for him. Yeah, I definitely support that. And it does seem like a tragic fact of history that the cost of greatness, whether it's, you know, political or military or sports or whatever, seems to be you just entirely neglect your family and you end up having horrible children. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it... I'm always supportive of someone being like, yeah, I want to spend more time with my family. But it's like, what, how old are his kids by now? I mean, he's like, what, 45? Well, his kids have to be like 12. Yeah. They're hitting, like, they're starting to play sports. Right. And not in like a peewee, like, you know, little league or like real sports. Like, like this kid's (laughs) in middle school. Like, this will decide what high school he goes to. And, uh, you know, we've watched Tom Brady beautifully kiss his kids on the mouth uh, since yeah. they were, like, toddlers. Yep. So 
you know, if he stays in the league, we'll get to see him do it as an adult as when they're adults. But uh, I, he's got enough money. Uh, he's got a legacy, and for me, I watch him. And obviously, he went to a team with a dynamite uh, mm-hmm. offensive line. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he went to a team that's got talent, and you know, they're like revi- reviving people's careers on that team. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. But I will say this: all I can think when I watch him is, for the love of God, don't get injured. And I don't just mean like, oh, my pinky. I mean, like, if Tom Brady takes, like, a brutal injury, like, that's going to depress, like, millions of people. Like, that's right. going to be brutal. Like, oh, he had a great career. And then he fucking, you know, broke his collarbone and was in the IR. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I watch him, I'm like, dude, you're 45. He's like, 40, what, three? But it's like, for the love of God, man, retire. Right. But then he throws, like, a dynamite 40-yard bomb. And I'm like, all right, well, you know. I'll eat my words. Right. No, I I know. That's so true. It's like, obviously, there's something horribly sad about someone getting injured and cut down in the prime of their career. But you make a good point. There'd also be something depressing about someone having a debilitating injury long after their career should have and could have been over. But, uh... They, oh, just, his spine, they just stuck with it. His spine would have been totally fine had he been 30. Right. Like he's 10 <laughs> years older, and that thing was done. <laughs> and I just don't want that. I just don't want that. And I looked at No, uh, definitely not. I looked at Drew Brees, and he just couldn't get the ball past like a 25-yard right. throw. And a lot of people go, look at Tom Brady. He's still throwing these bombs. But I will argue that on the Patriots, for years, they were known for being this 10-yard throw six yard slant you know right four yard drag they were like a fast kind of like slowly progressed down the field offense now he's on the bucks where he can bomb it his arm's been asking for this drew was throwing it deep his whole career and that's not like i'm not like perfect in saying that that's not like a 100 factual thing it only right. was like happening sometimes but you know he has no uh he hasn't shown signs of slowing down He'll play like badly one game. All the articles will say, oh, he's he's washed. And then he'll come back and play great the next few games. So we'll, uh, we'll spectate like anybody else, you know? We'll right, see. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I get what you're saying. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger just had a quote in a press conference about how, like, he said something like, look, I've made, you know, thousands of throws over my career. Eventually, that's going to start to wear on your shoulder. Like, you're just going to, you know, use up the tread. So, yeah, I mean, it is a it is a good question. But I also wonder how much of it, like, is... I once had an English professor in college say, um, like, he was giving us some sort of terrible assignment, and he's, like... He was talking about how he knows it's going to be annoying and blah, 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 and he's, like, you know, go home, get it done, do it, do it well. And he's, like, you know what? You can do it just to spite me. Spite is a great motivator. And I do wonder, it's, like, how much of, you know... Tom Brady gets to the Bucks and suddenly he's throwing 40 yards down the field and we haven't seen that in years. It's like how much of that is because of all the noise, you know, like he knows everyone's like, you're in your 40s, like you can't. So he was determined. And uh, similarly, I wonder, it's like had Drew Brees decided he wanted to play one more year. I you've got to think after how his last year went and what everyone was saying about how he can't throw the deep ball and stuff like that. You've got to think if he decided to come back, he would spend his whole off season just doing arm workouts, just building arm strength, just so that he could come back and be like, ha, for cha. <laughs> exactly. That's uh, 
that is so true. And I do think that, you know, that video of Tom Brady when they won the Super Bowl, the Bucks, uh, he's on like the boat and he just fucking mm-hmm. chucks <laughs> the trophy, the, uh, the Lombardi. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. lets it rip and he's like clearly hammered and having a good time. He, you know, we've seen him have a good time before, but he was very obviously like, oh my God, you guys let me want, you guys let me win again. <laughs> he, he was so smug and all, I'm like a perpetual. If you know me, you know I was an adamant Patriot hater. Like, not so much for Tom Brady. I always knew he was a a stud. But I would look at the fan base, and I would look at the dynasty that they were, and I would just get, like, just pissed. But then I saw him doing that, and I loved it. It's not Tom Brady you hated. It's all of the people who live in New England. They're the ones you really disliked. If you're from New England and you're watching this, that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Well, to circle back around to a comment you made earlier about the videos of, you know, Tom Brady kissing his children on the mouth, I I just had to say uh, one of our managers, uh, one of them who's threatening your hopes and dreams, the manager of Fertile Octogenarians, whips out the Tom Brady kissing his kids video more than anyone I've ever met. Now, like in I person? assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Over the course of law school, so like three years, he had to single-handedly have brought that video up like 20 times and actually played it for the group like 13 times. Now, I don't know if that was a thing before law school or if it was a thing after law school. All I know is during that time, he just could not get over the idea that Tom Brady's kissing his children on the mouth, which, to be fair, I feel like none of us can, but we choose to ignore that fact in order to just enjoy his greatness on the field. But yeah, it is bizarre. (laughs) Yeah, I played a drinking game uh, for one of the many various Patriots Super Bowls. Uh, it's kind of recent. They may have been the Rams, but um, one of the categories was finish a drink if he kisses his kid on the <laughs> lips, which is funny because that's that is a drinking game category that will only happen were they to win, right? right. And what are the chances that you know right right after the win he does it, right. and he never he never did. But when they won, I was like, you know pissed because i'm a rams fan and so i was like i'll finish my drink right now kiss him on the lips <laughs> and uh the older they get the funnier and the stranger it is and i i know it's probably going to be a thing that we laugh at because i i can't imagine he does it past them being like i don't know 12 10 but uh my god is it strange <laughs> it is odd oh. is his wife american or is she giselle giselle i think she's like some sort of European. I was gonna say European, yeah, and I if didn't want to be that almost makes it like wrong. less. Yeah, I have no idea. But if she's some sort of European, I feel like that almost makes the situation a little more normal because it's like, you know, we're Americans. We live in America. No one we've ever met kisses their kids on the mouth. But if someone's like the French do that, you're like, oh yeah, okay, the French do that. Okay, so I had my producer look it up, and he's throwing uh-huh. it up. He's throwing uh-huh. it up on the screen here. Thanks, I Pete. believe she is from Brazil. Brazil. If this is okay. yeah, what's her last name? Bunchin. Bunchin. Yeah. She was born in Brazil, but her parents are of German descent. Oh, um, that's that's never good. Born to yeah. Seems like she's uh, she was uh, oh yeah oh <laughs> yeah. German parents in Brazil, not not good. Also, if she was born in 1980, her parents. 
Yeah. <coughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Anyway, the point is uh, it might be part of either German or Brazilian culture to uh, kiss your children on the lips, in which case Tom's just being a good husband because he can't just, you know, sit on the sidelines and make his wife look all weird exactly. or his kids feel unloved. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I have not watched any of the episodes of Man in the Arena, the 10-part, you know, Tom right. Brady yeah. ser- docu-series. By the way, I will absolutely watch every single one of those episodes. It seems like a non... When the time comes. When the season is in progress, I don't feel like I'm going to watch yeah, it. no. But like in like April, I'm going to be yeah, like, exactly. I need like football. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll binge it at some point. But yeah, no, I mean, at the moment, we see enough. We see Tom every Sunday. We don't need a docuseries. But... uh You've got to think they're going to gloss over the whole kissing my children on the lips thing. That probably isn't part of the Tom Brady story in ESPN's eyes. But little do they know, jokes on them, that's all the people want. (laughs) The ratings would skyrocket. Oh, yeah. Everyone, you'd subscribe to ESPN Plus just to watch the one episode where you hear they address the Tom Brady kissing his kids on the uh, lips thing. For the past seven years, we've noticed you kiss your kids on the lips. Comments? (laughs) <laughs> be like uh, I don't know <laughs> they'd be like no 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 we want to know he's <laughs> like really yeah unfortunately Tom Brady being you know the product of the New England system that he is would find a way to give a beautifully polite non-answer to the question that's very true but who knows maybe someday he's, he's fr- I just we'll get up because I didn't know it. he's from California Oh, that. yeah, I did know. He and Aaron Rodgers are both from California. Rodgers is a California boy? Yeah, he actually went to a community college in Northern California for, uh, like, football. And that's, he, hmm. I don't know if he worked his way from a community college to, like, um, I, but I think he went straight from community college to the NFL, which is wild. But that's so wild that I'm almost certainly wrong. Well, Brady was a what like third string guy you know under uh yeah he Red played Favre. at michigan so, and yeah but he was yeah 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 yeah. and then rogers got drafted to the packers and sat behind Favre for like that's three right, years right, yeah. um who was uh who was brady under was a big uh, drew bledsoe that's right but then drew bledsoe got hurt rogers was under and that's right. brady had to take over yeah that's when i was a kid so. um yeah no there's th- there's no zero. shame in that you're uh i believe the youngest manager in the league also, something that makes you distinct amongst the other managers is, in addition to Callie and I, you are one of the only managers who's actually met every other manager in the league. In fact, it's just me, you, and Callie. No other manager has met in person all the other <laughs> managers. That's pretty cool. Well, everyone listening, uh, it was great meeting you all, and I hope to see you all again, and I hope you all lose while I win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't see the prosecution doing that, but, you know. <laughs> I can't either. Interesting things happen every day. I'm going to lose Looking at you, Washington <laughs> fantasy football team. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But speaking of seeing the managers again, uh, there is obviously the hope that whether it's a dynasty draft or just redraft, next year there will be an in-person draft, hopefully in Las Vegas, hopefully atop the Circa Casino in uh, the stadium swim pools and, you know, in one of the boxes surrounding said pool. Uh, If there were to be an in-person draft in Vegas, is that the sort of um, shebang that you would attend? 
100%. I am a sucker for in-person events, which sounds kind of silly, but in this day and age, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just because COVID, but everyone going to college or law school or any other sort of masters, you separate from people that you become so close with. And so if someone says, yo, we're going to Nashville for a weekend, I'll be there, you know? And so Vegas is great. Uh, I know uh, this is ridiculous, but I was a fresh 21-year-old when COVID hit. And for all you 30-plus managers in the league, uh, it was very depressing. And, you know, I hope you I hope you can relate. But I was freshly 21, and then COVID hit. So I have yet to experience the in Vegas as an adult life. Not so much like that's something. I'm not really a big gambler, but I would love to at least just be able to go and hurl $30 and watch it fade. <laughs> um, and so I, I would love an in-person draft. I know everyone is in – we have a guy in England. I know we have some crazy locations. Um, I know you're all doing some way more cool things than I am sitting at home working for, you know, like a company from my laptop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love in-person. I hope everyone uh, is down for that, and I would love to see everyone. I hope that becomes a reality. Um, but Vegas is a great – location and i would love to go there and draft yeah no that's that's good to hear uh and i'm hoping that we can make that happen and it seems like most people are uh, fairly on board with it you are in the unique position of being you know within technically speaking within driving distance of uh vegas but yeah no it, it would be a fun time but you know, one thing I kind of envisioned like a yearly in-person draft, but one thing that's interesting about like a true dynasty is, and, uh, another manager, uh, the manager of magic grits. When I was having a phone call with him the other day, he brought this to my attention, but you know, in a, in a true dynasty, the draft is just to draft rookies, which makes it a very, very short affair. So the idea of doing that in person every year might be, a bit odd but you know we'll we'll move forward and we'll we'll see what we see but at the very least there will people will definitely be invited to an in-person draft no matter what we do uh this upcoming year um all right so we do have one question from you for you from a manager in the league that i need to get to before we let you go and that is the uh manager of pigskin skull plaintiffs asks illegal motion to dismiss other than your own team, which team in the league is your favorite? Other than yourself, which manager in the league is your favorite? Pigskin Skull Plaintiff uh, asking me that is a very intense question because I know she would like a certain answer. <laughs> you know, um, it's a very good question because to like a team is tough when they're beating you. Right. Which is why my least favorite team is the prosecution. Um, That's fair. And, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know if I have a least favorite manager because <laughs> I respect everyone in this league. Um, I think, I think, frankly, please fix thanks. Uh, honestly, it might be both, <laughs> which kind of might be a, uh, what's the word, like, like a cop out, you know, but anyone with the balls to draft Saquon and just, <laughs> you just know he's going to get injured. 
I mean, I respect that. Same with, uh, I forgot who it was who got McCaffrey before they inevitably let him down. Um, but I, I think, I think Lee Six Nang Steven, I think, as my favorite team, I'm going to say. Um, I, you know, running backs, uh, me in particular, like, I understand the running back, like, qualm. And uh, were I, what was he, like, fourth in the draft? Like, like I understand, like, if Saquon's yeah, there, like, like you're going to draft him, like, he may go down, but in those two games, he's healthy. He'll get, like, 35 points. Like, I understand that. Um, and he's got T-Braid, which is also kind of ballsy. Um, I like his team, you know? I like I like what he's doing. Also, he's, like, what? Middle of the pack, slightly below me in standings. Um, uh, yeah, slightly below. He's one of the teams who, if he, he can tie your record, uh, the question is whether or not he'd be able to catch up to you in mm. points, which seems very unlikely. He did beat the hell out of me last week. I had been underperforming he as of. I had like a. True. I went. I was playing really bad, my team, and then we brought it back. We won a couple in a row. Made it to like five and six, and now we're six and seven. I was really hoping to be seven and six, winning record. You know, right, Steven. Right. Please, please six and Steven. Yes, right? Steven correct. Nick. And he was. Uh, Someone who knocked me, uh, knocked that dream to the wayside. And damn it, do I respect that, you know? <laughs> now, is he my favorite manager? You know, my sister, father, and brother-in-law are in this league. And so playing favorites between those three would be a bad decision. So I'm going to just put them all to the wayside <laughs> and say they're all tied for a perpetual second. Um, I will say, uh, who is it that was 0-8 and is now... Doing Scott great. Jorgensen, manager yeah. of Washington Fantasy yeah, Football Washington, Team. Washington Fantasy Football Team. I think he is my favorite manager because kept his head up, never uh, got never got dejected. Always right. w- always watched his team and is now four and nine. Won't make the playoffs, but he won the playoffs in my heart. Right, so true. I mean, uh, it's it's he's just a hard guy not to root for. You know, he never he never let adversity get him down. He never you know, gave up. He never let himself, you know, lose, lose focus. He stayed dedicated. And you know what? I mean, the prosecution is seriously considering making him an offer to manage our team next year, uh, just based on the performance that we've seen. But, uh, for various legal reasons, we may not be able to do that. So, all right. Well, illegal motion to dismiss slash Cameron, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure finally getting you on here. Uh, certainly been a lot less hostile than my last interview with uh, your favorite manager, one Stephen Bennett. Yeah, I got heated. Uh, yeah, well, you know, he's got hot takes. <laughs> oh, he's a hot man, you know, a hot man of hot takes. <laughs> eh, he's fine. So, all right, well, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Let me play you out. And now for playoff picture, the segment that replaced the power rankings. This week, the playoff picture grows more clear. Four teams have clinched playoff berths, while two teams have no hope, leaving four teams to vie for the, the two open playoff spots. In the race, for sure, already clinching their playoff berths, we have the Prosecution, Magic Grits, Pigskin Skull Plaintiffs, and Well-Hung Jury. On the other hand, 
Washington fantasy football team and Vandalay Industries have no path to the playoffs. This leaves four teams scrapping for those final two spots. Tijuana Panthers and a legal motion to dismiss currently hold the fifth and sixth spots with identical records. Meanwhile, on the outside looking in is Please Fix Thanks and the Fertile Oxygenarians. Oxygenarians. Octogenarians. Um, now, as we kind of discussed on today's episode, the path for Please Fix Thanks or the Fertile Octogenarians to bump someone out of the uh, playoffs is not is not mm, wide open. While technically possible, it seems increasingly unlikely. The issue is that if the Fertile Octogenarians or Please Fix Thanks would win this week while either Tijuana Panthers or Illegal Motion to Dismiss lost this week, then there, uh, those four teams would have tied records which means we would use points scored as a tiebreaker. And therein lies the issue. Uh, As I believe I mentioned in the interview, illegal motion to dismiss has about 100 more points than the fertile oxygenarians and about 150 more points than please fix things. So illegal motion to dismiss would have to have a terrible showing points wise while one of those two teams had an incredible week in order for the points tiebreaker to weigh in favor of either of the teams that currently sit on the outside looking in the story is basically the same for tijuana panthers who only has two more total points than illegal motion to dismiss so anything could happen it is fantasy after all but I think I can pretty confidently say we have our six playoff teams. Which leaves only one thing before we wrap up today. Kingdom Corner. Uh, It's a good week in the kingdom. The Chiefs beat uh, division rival the Denver Broncos. Uh, But the victory was not quite as convincing as some people would have liked. The Chiefs won 22-9. Uh, but a lot of people felt like the Chiefs could have performed better, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Meanwhile, the Chiefs' defense looks great. My personal take is that the most interesting thing to happen to the Chiefs this past weekend was for the Chargers to shellac the Bengals. Uh, The reinvigoration of the Chargers, another division rival of the Chiefs, is honestly the biggest threat to the Chiefs playoffs aspirations. Now, I don't think the Chargers have a chance of winning the division. I think that on December 16th, when the Chiefs and Chargers meet, the Chiefs will promptly remind the Chargers who owns the AFC West. But anything could happen. This week, the Chiefs face off against the Raiders for the second time. I expect the Chiefs to beat the Raiders convincingly though they have had some high scoring matchups in the past but uh i mean the raiders are a shambles so we'll see but uh yeah all i can say is on december 16th the chiefs will hopefully have beaten both the raiders and the chargers 
and have locked up the AFC West. And I think that just about does it for Kingdom Corner and, in turn, our show. Please join us next week for the first playoff episode, which may be a live call-in episode.